Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Oh, I hope that I hope that wasn't too big of a, a noise for you with the clap. It sounded very echoey. Does it? I, it'll be good. Okay. Well, for, for listeners, um, if my audio is a bit off today, uh, I apologize, but uh, you know, I'm getting ready for literally moving a, a week and two days from now. Uh, I will be leaving this home forever, uh, relocating back to the East Coast, finally same time zone, no more uh, math for getting together with with Michael. Uh, But that means that I've taken down a lot of my soundproofing and I'm using a different microphone that's a little bit more open. Uh, So apologize, but it should just be this one episode. Well, no, I guess two episodes because we're going to be recording twice before I leave. Uh, So you'll have to deal with it a couple times and then I should be back to normal once I'm settled into my new office. Yeah, and if I mean, if all of our post-production and plugins we've paid for do their job, uh, you listeners might not notice anything. Actually, I mean, yeah, best case scenario, you're like, "What is she talking about?" <laughs> right? Because I mean, it's a good microphone, the one you're using. The, it is. Y'all got a Wave Three. This is the the Wave Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we picked this up as a, an experiment uh, several months back. You had it out out east. Uh, and then uh, you know, I needed a, a second microphone here for my partner uh, to like get some really good quality sound for uh, for her stuff that she's working on. And we, we got this sent out and we set it up for, it and it sounds great. We love it. So, uh, I'm excited that it was an option so that I could pack up my, my whole rig, you know, the arm and the interface and everything, and just have this little tabletop set up. That's nice. I like that sort of like portable. Yeah. Just like quick USB connection sits on the tabletop. It's, it is, it's as simple as I could ask for, honestly, and I'm just running my headphones right out of it. Uh, so it just takes my whole footprint for recording and shrinks it way down, like even even more so than when I was in Tacoma that time and I, I brought some, some portable gear. Like this is even smaller and simpler, and I love it. Well, as we know, uh, life moves slower in Tacoma. It's true. It's true. Yeah, it is true. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so this is, we're kicking off a brand new month. Uh uh Um, we, we've already started off with how it ends. Yeah. Uh, and that was our cool, uh, chill vibes apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really like, I'm feeling the end of the world. Like it's got a, it's got an energy that, uh, I think I can get into. 
Yeah, yeah, so far. Yeah. So we're we're continuing on with the chill vibes and we have moved on to seeking a friend for the end of the world. So that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I'm Sabrina Buckets. I've sent you a letter with no return address. <laughs> come so find this, me. <laughs> come find good luck. Uh, so this is a, a movie that came out in 2012. Yeah. Uh, and it stars, uh, you know, notably, it stars a lot of great people. There are a lot of great actor, comedic oh, yeah. actors in this movie, but specifically uh, Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah. And like, Not I a re- comedic actor, but Kira Knightley. I mean, she's still funny enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember when this film came out and I don't, I don't remember why I didn't see it. Um, Steve Carell, I was kind of like hit or miss on for a while. So it could have been, I just like, I saw the, the trailer and I was like, eh, it's Steve Carell being awkward and Stevie again. Uh, but you know, I like coming back and watching this now, 11 years later, he looks so fucking young and it's hilarious because throughout this film, he makes jokes at his own expense about being old. And I guess it's it like a combination of like getting used to seeing him looking older now uh, and the, you know, the two of us being in our early 40s now, which presumably the character is based on the way he talks. Uh, it doesn't look old at all to me. And, I just, you know, for, that does make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's, you know, here's the tricky part about this. Right. So. Uh, and we're going to get into this, but Steve Carell plays a character by the name of Dodge. Uh, Kira Knightley plays a character by the name of Penny. And they do end up romantically getting together, uh, which we're going to talk about that whole entanglement. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the problem is he is 22 years older than Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah. He's so it was a little bit of a thing. He's... Uh, so 62, so 40, uh, he's 60, 60 and she is 38. He's 61 or yep. will well, 61 be this now. year yep. if he hasn't. Yeah. So like that, like, first of all, he's significantly older than I thought he was, uh, which is to say that like 60, you know, realistically isn't that old, but like, I still kind of thought he was like roughly this age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he was like 50 or something. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely thought he was like early 50s. When I saw that he was 60, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. But then I remember Steve Carell's been around for a very long time. He really has. He, and he, he was used to be the, a writer for SNL. He was the 40-year-old virgin like a decade ago. So That was forever ago. Yeah, but but both him and his wife were writers on SNL in the 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he'd been around for a while. And in fact, his real-life wife, uh, Nancy Carell, um, plays his wife in the movie linda loved uh, that. in this film she has a fun little cameo in the beginning yeah that was uh that was really cool like there's there's a lot of people who have just very very like bit parts but like that was a cool cameo there's one more uh that like you you see someone briefly on the screen but they're never actually in the film uh and that's the uh the director the writer and director uh which now i've i've lost my place on this page so i don't remember uh lorene scafaria wrote and direct this film. And anytime that you see photos of uh, Dodge's supposed one that got away, that's uh, Lorene. So like, not only do we have a stellar cast on screen, but we've got these really fun cameo bits that uh, I just, you know, I I think that just fleshes it out a little. It just makes it more interesting. 
And uh, Lorreen, uh, as an example, too, uh, is also a, pr- a pretty accomplished writer. She wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Yes. Love that movie. I have not seen that in so long. And like watching this now and then thinking about how she, she wrote and directed that, I'm like, I need to go back and rewatch that. You need to go back and rewatch that. Uh, she was a writer for, um, uh, uh, what else? Uh, Hustlers, uh, the Jennifer Lopez film. Oh, yep, yep. And she was a co-producer for that. Uh, and uh, Coherence, uh, she she actually acted in that one. Um, so Neat. pretty interesting uh, career on her hands. But uh, yeah, uh, just Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, that's another one, though, that really really got me because I really liked that movie a lot. I do still like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, thinking of that movie, you know, just like you said, thinking of that movie and then watching seeking a friend for the end of the world. I was like, yeah, I, I see the, her writing style. Like it's very apparent. It's not at all related to the film we're supposed to be talking about, but I was, I was looking at uh, photos from Nick and Norris because I was just trying to jog my memory because it's been so long since I've seen the film. And of course there's photos of Michael Sarah playing bass in it. And, you know, he played it in, in Scott Pilgrim as well. Uh, and I just love that because he plays bass in his real life, he gets to do that in movies sometimes. And, like, unlike a lot of people who are handed an instrument and told to look like they know what they're doing, he actually does. And I love that. It just makes it that much more real for me. Another great example of that is John Cusack, who is actually a very good uh, uh, animator or illustrator, uh, drawer, and he draws like cartoon style things. So he does it in Say Anything. Okay. Uh, He does it in High Fidelity, and he does it in um, uh, my favorite movie of all time, uh, and I'm completely forgetting it, but it's Better Off Dead. That's the name of the movie. But he also draws in that movie as well. Neat. Yeah, so that was another common thing uh, that that character had. Um. Also, because we we mentioned that you know we kicked off this Chill Vibes Apocalypse Month with How It Ends, uh, we have a little minor connection between these two movies uh, in the person of Rob Hubel, 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 uh, who, if you recall, in uh, How It Ends, played the uh, the the science denying environmentalist neighbor, uh, <laughs> and in Seeking a Friend, he has a bit part as one of Dodge's coworkers. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, uh, there's the big similarity between these, those two movies is obviously the ensemble cast, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's all of those, you know, it's those actors that all kind of run in a crowd, right? Like you got Patton Oswalt, yeah. you know, and like uh, there's a few other people that I'm blanking other names, but, you know, a lot of those same sort of people all in the same sort of movies together. Rob Corddry, Melanie yeah, Rob Linsky, Corddry. Yeah, Amy Melanie Schumer's Linsky. in this. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a bunch of like four people from the office are in this. Yeah. Uh, Jerry from Parks and Rec is in this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, he plays the cop in one of the things. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, definitely every time a character stepped on screen to speak, I was like, oh, oh, I know them. You yeah. know, like that's it was just everybody, everybody. There wasn't a single actor that I was like, oh, I don't know who this person is. Which is interesting, because I feel like it it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about how actors like, uh, we'll say, Will Ferrell, and of course there's an obvious connection, and we're very much uh, flowcharting this. Uh, There's an obvious connection between Will Ferrell and Steve Carell with the the stuff they've been involved with. You know, Anchorman comes to mind as an obvious example. example. Uh, But we talked about how 
a lot of these like kind of bigger name comedians from this era, especially people who came on a Saturday Night Live, would then just start making movies together. And so there would just be a block of these movies that all kind of had the same energy uh, and has starred the same people. Uh, Seeking a Friend kind of fits into that world as part of this this block of films that Steve Carell did around this area. Uh, but it's less like in-your-face comedy and more just like like makes you think uh you know throughout the throughout the whole film as well as uh dabbling more into rom-com territory yeah so you know we'll get into it in a minute i'm gonna read the imdb description but that was my biggest point of like i don't know i don't know which way i wanted it to really go yeah and it's very like yeah i don't know so anyways the imdb description for seeking a friend for the end of the world reads as an asteroid nears earth a man finds himself alone after his wife leaves in a panic he decides to take a road trip to reunite with his high school sweetheart accompanying him is a neighbor who inadvertently puts a wrench in his plan so that is literally true but, but it's not the spirit of the film. Yeah, and it's also not exactly in the right order, right? <laughs> like, yes, but, like, it's because of, not, and uh, then. All so. of these things do happen. <laughs> just, just, just not just, like that. It's just like that, like, that would be a very different movie if you played it out exactly like that, that paragraph. And yeah. I would still watch that, but it would be yeah. a very different movie. Yes, definitely. So, you know, the first thing we see right off the bat is Steve Carell and his then wife, Linda. uh, And they are, you know, pulled over on the side of the road listening to a news broadcast, which hilarious, by the way, because at the end of the news broadcast, they're like, the asteroid is hitting in three weeks and that'll be the end of the world. So please stay tuned to the radio station for all updates and all your classic rock. <laughs> just like, Cause that's exactly what would happen in capitalism. You know, like, like everything that happens in this movie, I'm like, yeah, yeah like he works as an insurance salesman and like, yeah, he would still be going to work. He keeps right? going because, to work every day right. faithfully. And like, what, what are you doing? My guy? Why? Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I think, uh, uh, so my daughter, Juniper kind of stepped in halfway through this movie and she was like, why is everyone acting all normal? And I was like, well, you know, some people are like, there were scenes earlier where people were like rioting and stuff like that. And she's mm-hmm. like, like, why are they mowing their lawn though? And I'm like, yes. I, you're right. Like, why are they doing that? Child, I think you've accidentally stumbled into the joke. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, this is the reason for that, you know? Uh, but it brings up a really good question. You have three weeks left to live, right? The Earth yeah. is dying in three weeks. Yeah. What do you do? You know, like, what do you do with your life? Like, you know, you still have to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not working. I'm not, yeah, I'm definitely I'm, not going to work. Not go- I'm not going to work. I am, uh, you know, I'm going to get my hands on as much weed as I can. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know, drink plenty of water. Yeah. I mean. I would probably go, like, maybe just start walking and just See how far I get. I don't know, like try to try to be with family, but know that the uh, you know every possible method of travel is going to be completely shot. So yeah, and everybody's going to be doing it. You know, all the roads are going to be jam packed, and you mm-hmm, know the mm-hmm. planes will all be shut down, and there won't be any trains or buses or anything like that. And you know, gas will eventually run out. Yeah, I I definitely vibe more with the uh, how it ends strategy of just like getting completely wasted and like going out in a party uh, rather than like trying to like actually accomplish anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if I had a three-week lead time, I would definitely spend my time kind of wandering around and, like, talking to people and, you know, kind of like what she does and how it ends. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I think, actually, I would end up doing exactly what she does. I think I would do all of those things, and then I'd want to spend the last day kind of by myself, you know, because, like, I would want that sort of self-reflection, I guess, or, you know, to be alone. So I think, the, to me, the most interesting part of this, and... um Seeking a Friend actually does kind of touch on this. Most disaster apocalypse movies don't, uh, but we get a, a little bit of this. Like, in the event of something like, say, an asteroid impact, uh, you know, anything like that, unless it's a, you know, a body that is large enough to essentially physically destroy, like, break apart the Earth, uh, a lot of things are still going to live for quite some time. Like everyone's not going to die immediately on impact except within a certain radius of the impact zone. Right. Correct. But like in these films, everyone always acts as though the moment of impact is everyone's last moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this one's weird with that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the biggest way that uh, seeking a friend diverges is that you do eventually run into uh, a group of people who have a, like a survival bunker and who intend to outlive, you know, the, this impact. Uh, but of course we never find out what happens to them because they're not important to the story. They're just a means to an end. Um, but it's like, I think about that every time, like, you know, we, we saw in how it ends that the asteroid was going to impact right where they were. So like, them being like, all right, this is it. And like, that makes sense. Like for them, unless they choose to leave and ride it out somewhere else, that is it. But, you know, we don't see the asteroid for the, uh, the entirety of seeking a friend. So we don't actually know where it's going to hit. We know that it's 13 miles wide. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause that's what they say in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let's assume it hits in wherever the hell they are. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I couldn't even begin to tell you because they name a couple of different states and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know where the hell you are. It was filmed uh, in LA, but all of the town names sounded New England. Yeah. So, I mean, let's say it hits America, right? So, like, Australia, though, is going to be like, it's going to hit America and it's going to mess up. And Australia's going to be like, hey, what's going on over there? <laughs> you know, like, this is going to be weird. I mean, they'll eventually, you know, yeah. burn out and, you know, the, the atmosphere will get all fucked and then they'll you know, they'll, they'll die out yeah. potentially. Yeah. It, but would, like, it would be a mass extinction yeah. uh, and a mass die out. It's just like, uh, I, I, I find it interesting that the, the point of impact is always considered to be like, this is the end. Yeah. When it only is for a small group, relatively speaking. But yeah, potentially depending on the size of the impact. Yeah. Um, which is interesting for this. So we know that it's coming. We know that it's crashing down on this, you know, Steve Carell, uh, his wife literally just gets out of the car and runs away. It's hilarious. Um, which is, which was great. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, she doesn't even speak in the movie. Mm -mm. I don't think, uh, you know, she runs away and now he's just sort of left to his own device and, you know, he keeps going to work. He says he feels a little sick. Uh, there's a really great moment where he's kind of like wandering around his apartment and it's late at night and a spider is crawling around his sink and he goes to kill the spider. And then he's like, no, like he, he has that moment of like, hey man, like the world's about to end. I'll let this spider live. To which he wakes up with a bunch of spider bites on his face, which is just so, this <laughs> movie, is actually great. This movie shows violence against arachnophobes. So here's your content warning, people. If you're arachnophobic, uh, be aware that in the first like five minutes of this movie, you're going to have your day ruined. And then it gets better. 
Yes, and then he gets better. He's by a giant ass spider uh, that crawls on. You see, crawling on his face. In Fucking fact. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, of course, nightmare. you you do know you swallow X number of spiders, which That's I know is not myth. true, but That's yeah, it's not myth. true. Do you, you know the whole story behind that? I don't. Was uh, so the story behind it is a college professor showed that if you say anything enough with confidence and basically post it to the internet then enough people will accept it as true. And he used that example of saying you swallow five spiders a night or whatever it is and showing like how fast disinformation spreads. And it did spread inadvertently so much so that people still believe it to this day, even though like we know, like we have it on videotape of him giving the speech about why like disinformation and this is the fact he's going to give out, which is crazy. That's crazy story, right? That is actually pretty amazing that an intentional lesson in how disinformation works became disinformation. Yes. (laughs) It was just, again, that's another one of those, like, of course, Mm -hmm. of course it did. Mm -hmm. Because what else would have happened? Why not? Why not? (laughs) A Uh, cautionary tale? No, no. (laughs) But of course, uh, you know, he doesn't just go to work and get spider bites. He he does choose to uh, to go to an end of the world party uh, at his at his friend's house. Uh, uh, Diane and Warren, Warren yep. played by uh, Rob Corddry, uh, who uh, I personally recognized from Hot Tub Time Machine, but he's been in a, a ton of shit. And also uh, in the Office with Steve Carell. Yep, that's that. I learned that from the uh, from the trivia. I did not know yep. that. Um, and uh, Diane, played by Connie Britton, who I recognize from a lot of shit. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, she's she's she was another one that oh, yeah. I, I recognize from a bunch of different shows. Nashville, American Ultra. Uh, she's been in the White Lotus uh, more recently. Yeah, so yeah, you've uh, American Horror Story. I knew I, I recognized her from around. I just couldn't picture what off the top of my head. I think uh, probably pretty famous for Nashville. Yeah, and I mean now you know White Lotus is is incredibly popular, so definitely people uh, more recently is probably recognizing her from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to which in this party shows up Patton Oswalt and Melanie Linsky. Yes, um, you know, and so for those of you being like Melanie Linsky, Melanie Linsky, where did I just hear that person? Well, Melanie Linsky uh, was just in a movie that we, uh, uh, did. Wasn't Melanie Linsky in I'm Totally Fine or am I completely thinking of somebody different? I think you're thinking of someone different. She was okay, in well, The Last in Re- of Yellow Us. Jackets. Uh, she was in The That's Who I Was Thinking yeah, Of. Yeah. yeah. And she's also in the show, uh, Yellow Jackets. You know what we covered that she was in was Don't Look Up. Ah, right. Another, which is another, uh, apocalypse film. Yeah. That's yeah. the one we covered a year ago. Oh my God. It was, wasn't it? Was that a year ago? I mean, a year ago or was that two years ago? It had to have been a year ago when we did our other apocalypse. No, that was two years ago. It was released in 21 December? No, when when was this released? Yeah, December of 2021. So we would have covered so it. In January of 2022. Yeah, yep. yeah, I thought so. Yeah, so it's been a year and a half, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, don't look up. No, that... Yeah, so so again, uh, Patton Oswalt shows up in that party, uh, plays the character of Roach, you know, who, you know, is very funny in this scene, but he is he's talking about, like, the asteroid showing up has, like, leveled the playing field, and he was like, what did he say, like, it's raining asteroids, or, or like, it's, the sky is falling, and it's raining pussy. Yes, that was his, <laughs> yes, that was, that. That was his thing. 
I mean, good for him for having a positive outlook and yeah. like taking advantage of a bad situation. Yeah. Right. I mean, like he, he's talking about how everyone's just feeling more free. Like they're, they're not hung up on looks or like physical attributes or like getting pregnant or anything like that. Cause it's all over soon. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Like, it's like gonna, the sixties all over again. You're literally going to die in weeks. You might as well live now. That's, that's right. how, you know. What does uh, uh, Miss McMurray always say? Oh, that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he he definitely has the right idea, you know, obviously with other consenting adults. Exactly. Um, consenting being the key. Yep. And uh, yeah, so this this party gets out of hand. You know, his his friend is trying to hook, uh, uh, Steve Carell, Dodge's friend is trying to hook him up with uh, Melanie Linsky, to which, you know, he's like, He's like, yeah, I don't know if like the month that my wife just left me and we're about to die in apocalypse is really the right timing for me to meet somebody new. And he's right. I mean, he's not Ish. wrong. I don't know well, he that proves I himself to be wrong. Like, I don't agree with him, but he's not wrong. Like, I see the right. point. Like, no, I understand what he's going through, but the movie proves him wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> the plot of the movie says otherwise. The, the plot of the movie literally is otherwise. <laughs> Oh, good guy. Good guy. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, this is the party. It goes crazy. Everybody's doing drugs. You know, they're, they're feeding the kid drinks. Uh, you know, he's like the kids drinking like a martini and he's like, just drink through the burn, drink through the burn. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, all the, the ghosts that has a uh, host of the party are doing that to the kids. Great. Yeah. Warren, Warren is terrible. I love it. I love it. He's, he's the worst version of Lou from hot tub time machine in this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he's he is having a rough go of it and making it everybody else's problem. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. So eventually we get to the point where we learn about Penny. So as as Dodge comes home from this party, he sees this uh, woman crying on the balcony just uh, on the fire escape just outside of his apartment. And he, you know, opens the door and he's like, hey. And she's like, you know, oh my God, sorry. Like, you know, I'm just having a rough time. Her boyfriend left her, uh, you know, just like uh, Dodge's wife had just left him, you know, and and they make an accord. She says like, hey, I won't rob you if you don't rape me. And he's like, deal. That seems reasonable, yeah. <laughs> Very reasonable deal. Uh, and so she comes in and they get to chatting uh, and stuff like that. And that's, you know, this is our meet cute moment, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Which again, I really struggled in this movie because- the title of the movie is Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, and I I wanted a platonic friendship out of them because of the age difference as well. I wanted that when I thought that that was what, like, the, what um, Dodge's whole story was set up to be. But I realized that, like, that was my own projection of, of expectations based on the title and the fact that, like, he passes one of those, like, take a, you know, tear away phone number flyers that says that seeking a friend for the end of the world. So like that is someone else's notion, uh, that the, the filmmakers successfully put into our brains as an expectation and then circumvented it. And I don't, I don't know if that was intentional or if I'm giving them way too much credit, but like, I mean, Laureen seems to know what she's doing. So like, I, I, I would like to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, and that's the thing where I'm very conflicted because I like how this movie ended. I like that they get together. It's cute because the idea of it is is both of them like 
they kind of learn a life lesson about what they want out of a relationship throughout mm-hmm. the course of this. And the, you know, they, they go into the, to the, you know, depths and workings of what it means for a partnership. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I loved it. I loved the message that it gives in the end of the movie. Yeah. But at the same time, I was kind of like, but what if they were just friends? What if it was just about having human connection didn't have to be a sexual connection, but I like how it ended. It's, I do like that they got together, but also. I mean, like this, this story works either way. And it works very well either way. Because uh, as we mentioned there, you know, the description doesn't accurately depict uh, how um, Penny causes uh, Dodge to go on this road trip. And it's because, uh, you know, she hands him back a stack of mail that was, you know, from the last few months or so, years, whatever. She uh, says three, years. Yeah, three, yeah, three years that he's lived there. It's like, you know how the mailman sometimes delivers to the wrong box? Well, here's three, three years worth. And in that stack, he finds a letter posted from his, you know, his great love, his one that got away, his high school sweetheart, whatever. Um, Olivia, and that's the one that is in the photos is portrayed by Lorene. Um, and you know, she in the letter talks all about how much she misses him and how she wishes things had worked differently and all this. So he's like, Oh my god, I've got to go find her. And apparently there's not a, a return address on this because he doesn't say, like, I know exactly where to go, I'm gonna go right there. And he's like, I you know, I think I know, and he like he, he heads towards her parents' house first. Uh, but it, like, you know, he he tells her, uh, tells Penny, like, you know, you, when you were keeping your mail or my mail from me, you kept me from like this, this reach out from you know, the, the love of my life. And now like, I, 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 there's no way for me to get a hold of her. I can't call her. Cause of course all the phone lines are down. Uh, I don't have her address. I can't, I can't get to her. And like, this is your fault. She's like, oops, <laughs> you're right. And, and so she decides she's going to go with them, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the idea is that they, you know, she also is trying to get to her parents who, who are in England mm-hmm. um, and just trying to get a hold of them. There's no phones or anything like that. Um, so it's another way for her where she's like, she wants to connect. So they're like, well, let's, let's do this double road trip, right? Yeah. Like, we'll get you to the love of your life. He said, I knew someone who had a plane. Uh, and if you help me find her... Help me get where I'm going, he says. I I, I will get you to your family, uh, which is a bold promise. Uh, but, you know, he, he, he seems confident in it. Yeah, so, this, so again, we're jumping to the, towards the end of the movie. I don't know much about aviation, but would that little plane really be able to fly all the way to England? I mean, it might be able to, but I certainly wanna, wouldn't, wouldn't want to try. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm, I mean, would not trust it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it was such a tiny, like, two-seater plane, and maybe, I, I don't know how distances I mean, work with that, but I mean, that's like a thousand miles, right? The Spirit of St. Louis is not a big plane by plane standards. I've seen, like, a, a life-size model recreation of it, uh, and it made the cross-Atlantic journey, so it is possible for a smaller propeller plane like that to do it, um, but, like, so many things could go wrong. So many things. yeah. Well, I mean, we know that he likely will be the only plane in the air because uh, we do get a very specific uh, news broadcast that says the last plane has landed. Yeah, which uh, is is wild to think, like reaching a point where they're just there's just no more no more planes in the sky. Like they they say that like civilian aircraft are welcome to use the the air uh, airspace at their own risk. Yeah, um, crazy times. Yeah. 
So off they go on this big adventure. And of course, uh, just as they're about to go uh, the night before, um, a riot breaks out just outside of their house. You know, they live in an apartment complex. And so, you know, uh, Dodge comes down into Penny's apartment. Uh, Penny is what's called, a, a, it has hypersomnia. Mm-hmm. So instead of not being able to sleep, she can literally just sleep for hours and nothing can wake her. Which, of course, that leads us to a very perfect uh, setup moment early on where she says, I could sleep through the apocalypse. Yes. Yep. Uh, and, and so, you know, Dodge goes down, he goes to the window, tries to wake Penny up. And then, uh, we, we meet what well, we've seen him before, but we meet Penny's boyfriend who is played by Adam Brody, uh-huh. uh, who is, you know, young WB heartthrob, uh, who has been around for a while. I think he was in Gilmore Girls. He was in like the OC or something. I mean, wasn't uh, everyone. Wasn't it? I mean, true. true. <laughs> I think even I was, I don't know. I, I'm uh, pretty sure you were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did have to do with the OC because I did make the promotions for the OC. True. So technically I was uh, attributed to the success of the OC. You were personally responsible for the success of the OC. It, at least in uh, central New York. Yes, that is actually <laughs> true. That is factually true. What if central uh, <laughs> New York just happened to be like the OC's like best viewing <laughs> district? It was all because of me. That's, <laughs> that's how this works. It's that's all because of me now. Yeah. 100%. You're, uh, you're, you're responsible for it. It's all you. Yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, he wakes them up, they get out, they're going out to, to get in the car. They're trying to drive away. The boyfriend is being just a shit because, you know, he's that type of boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And eventually they just, they just bail on him. Right. (sighs) Because he's just out there being like, no, like he, she's trying to like get out of a tight spot. Like first off, yeah, just crash the car, you know, like just bump into things and get out of there trying to maneuver her toyota prius out of a like uh, a super tight parallel park in like a 37 point turn and he's yelling at her the whole time uh and then she just says fuck it and leaves and because because uh dodge tells her like you know he did just use you as a human shield like you don't you don't need to wait for him (laughs) right and so she does she just sort of ditches him and leaves him there and, you know, there's there's never really, like, a comeback moment to that, which I think is really great. Like, she mm-hmm. doesn't have, like, a, a face-to-face, you know, like, I need to say my piece to you. She's basically, like, later on, he's just like, I'm sure he's fine. And she's like, yeah, he probably is. And yeah. that's it. <laughs> like, there's no, they just don't discuss it anymore, <laughs> uh, which I think is great. So, so off they go. Uh, you know, onto their little road trip adventure. You know, they're trying to get out to this. And of course, uh, her car runs out of gas. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a Toyota Prius, so the battery runs out, the gas runs out, and there's a funny little back and forth of them where he's like... She's like, yeah, but like you, you don't use as much gas. And he's like, sure, but you still have to fill it up with some gas. (laughs) She's like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, you get the impression that they don't even make it out of the city. Yeah, Uh, basically. They're just just walking. Um, Yeah. But uh, against Dodge's better judgment, they flag down a pickup truck and the guy decides to give them a ride for, you know, a, a certain distance. He's like, I, I I can't get you all the way that you're going, but I can get you as far as like wherever. And so they get in uh, and after a while they, they stop for a restroom break, which feels a little bit, a little bit awkward and like oddly planned. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the, the, the truck driver uh, asks Dodge, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna go relieve myself in the woods over here. Did you did you wanna did you wanna to join too? It's very strange. And Dodge is, is very confused. Uh meanwhile, Penny wanders off on her own and 
it is revealed to us that uh, this man actually thought that Dodge was a hitman that he had hired to kill himself. <laughs> Which, oh, so there's another part about this movie that we do need to bring up is that at one point, uh, Dodge goes wandering around the park and passes out uh, after drinking a bunch of cough oh, syrup yeah. and wakes up. And there is a dog strapped to his leg with a note saying, sorry. So he has now acquired a dog uh, they for just, the end of the world. They, they just call sorry because they don't know what his actual name is. I <laughs> love they it. just said sorry. Yeah. He's just a... uh, so what Penny ended up doing was going and walking uh, the dog oh, a bit. That's right. That's yep. right. Um, but like you, know, he reveals this to, to Dodge and Dodge is like, no, I, yeah, I'm not who you think I am. And like, just as the guy was like, oh, okay. All right. Then, well then like we can keep going. And then the bullet fires like, through the windshield and kills. He was like, I was really worried because I was afraid I could fight you off. He was like, I really, I really wanted this to end, <laughs> but I could easily take you. And then he gets the bullet in the neck it's and yeah. So sudden. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Which is great. So they they bury him in the in the the field that they were just in, and they take his car. Which the, this is the like my my one like moment of this whole film is like he was just driving when he was shot. This is not a push to start. This is a like a beat up old like Dodge pickup truck or something. They take his body out and they bury him, and they're like, "Oh, do you have the keys?" Uh, oh no! And they they dig him back up, implying that they buried him with his keys. But his keys would have been in the ignition the whole time, right? Yeah, that that was. A, I, I understand that because they they kind of needed to imply that Penny has a little bit of like a flighty sense to her, you know, like there's like this airhead sense to her, like she's very forgetful or whatever. But at the same time, I was like, but they were literally just driving. Yeah, like why why would the keys be out of his like out of the car? I didn't yeah. understand that. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Like I get it, but at the same time, I was like. Yeah, but logistically, that's okay. not really the case. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that yeah, I'm not the only one who was upset at that. It makes me makes me feel like it's a more reasonable thing to be upset about. <laughs> Your neuroticism, uh, neuroticism becomes normalized. Yes, is that exactly. You're looking exactly. for. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking for someone to uh, you know to validate me. <laughs> So, uh, so outside of this, so that, you know, off they go driving around, they eventually end up, uh, coming across a restaurant called frenzies, uh, <laughs> which is friend Z's like we're frenzies, yeah. you know? And, uh, of course the host there is TJ Miller. Uh -huh. Um, so TJ Miller is the one who gets them seated. We have a, you know, a bunch of restaurant. The whole place is just turned into like this freewheeling commune where they're still like serving food and like hanging out and stuff like that. And just, you know, partying and orgying it up. Uh, um, and so they had a wonderful time. Which, uh, Ellen has confirmed to me that, uh, would be accurate for how, like, if you got the right restaurant crew together, this is how they would be spending the end of the world because that's how their parties are oh sure so. yeah i mean of everything i've known of of those sort of things yeah like yeah this sounds 100 percent accurate in fact almost to the point where i'm like this is probably happening now yeah uh like despite it not being the end of the world i mean i'm not gonna lie i would go to this restaurant like they uh they, they put a they put a burger on a donut bun i mean that spin dip looked really good i'm and, not gonna lie and apparently the mudslides are awesome 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they have their moment. And of course, you know, uh, Penny is like, oh, and it's my friend's birthday. Yeah. And everyone's like, yay, last birthday ever. And they're, <laughs> you know, having a little party. And of course, at the end of the night, they're like, all right, now we're going to switch over to orgy mode. So they switch over to orgy mode to which Penny and uh, Dodge uh, get out of there and they go back to the car. And this is our first romantic moment between the two of them where uh, Penny ends up kissing him and has that sort of conversation with him of like, you know, I, I just, I wanted to have sex one last time and I wanted it to be with you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm comfortable with you. I like you, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And you know, they, it's awkward and he's like, Oh, I know that's not what this is about. Cause like, he's not in that place yet. Mm -hmm. um, and that's another interesting point uh, of that. Well, and in his discomfort, he, this is another place where he also, like, plays up his own age. Like, again, he never tells us how old he is, but he's implying that, like, he's some old man. Uh, and then, like, when she says that she's 28, like, that's a, a big deal to him. So, like, again, that implies that he's, like, this character is supposed to be in, like, his 60s or something, uh, which is, again... Very unbelievable uh, when you're looking at a much younger Steve Carell or a much younger yeah, well, seeming. And so I, Steve Carell was 50 and uh, Kieran Knightley was 28. That's the thing is that I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that he was 50 when they did the movie. And like that's fucking with me because he looks so much younger in that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate this. <laughs> I don't I don't like how age works. It makes me angry. Uh, like, yeah. So like. Putting that together now, okay, yeah, his concerns were warranted. That is a yeah. that is a pretty sizable age gap. Yeah, he's fifty. She's you know thirty. Not uh, even like they're not even thirty. Yeah, uh, you know, totally get it. Totally understandable. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, it becomes a thing, but they don't let it. It doesn't drive a stake through them, which I really liked. That yeah. wasn't their moment. In fact, you know, like with this type of movie, you have that expectation of like. They're going to get into a fight and they're mm -hmm. going to break up and then they're going to reconcile at the end of the movie. And that's not actually what happens no. in this movie. In fact, it's, it's a much, there is still that moment of like they split up and get back together, but it's not in the way that you would typically expect of this type of movie. Yeah. And it's, it's done very sweetly. Um, we learned that the, the, the man who had a plane, because as uh, Dodge later clarifies, he doesn't know if it still exists. Like he's like, I can't promise you there is a plane, but there was. Uh, it turns out to be his father, uh, who left when uh, when Dodge was a kid, and you know they they were completely out of contact, and you know you can tell that there are a lot of unresolved things here, and like Dodge is like I'm I'm not into talking about it, and his father apologizes. It's a very sweet moment. We you know they have dinner. We see the you know, Dodge is playing a harmonica throughout the film, and we see you know at one point that it was given to him by his dad. And then we see the two of them sitting out on the back porch playing together. It's very sweet. Um, when Penny falls asleep, knowing that she can sleep through everything, knowing that she has told him that she will literally sleep through the apocalypse, uh, and knowing that this is her one last chance to go see her uh, family, especially as we learn that the deadline of the uh, impact has been pushed up a week. So we now have a matter of hours, not days. Uh, he convinces his father to fly Penny across the ocean to be with her family, which is a very, very sweet gesture. But as we've seen the connection between them growing throughout the, the course of the film, you know, as he puts her in the plane, he whispers to her, like, you are the love of my life. Like, it's this moment of, like, 
it's not this huge declaration. It's more of a quiet revelation for him of like realizing I've been, I've been avoiding you know, making connection with anyone and like somehow managed to make the, the strongest connection of my entire life right at the very end. Yeah. And of course it's, it's, uh, we should note that, uh, his father is played by Martin Sheen. Uh-huh. Um, that's another, uh, important, uh, you know, ensemble actor, hmm. um, which, you know, is a big ask of his dad to be like, Hey dad, like we have this sort of moment and they kind of get back together. And then he's like, go fly my girlfriend over to England and I'm going to go back to my house and die. You know, <laughs> like, Hey dad, remember how you were a dick for my entire childhood? Well, fly my girlfriend across the ocean. See you and, never. <laughs> and die there. Bye. Yeah. You, that's what you get. You know, <laughs> like it was, it's a very interesting uh, ask and it's very odd that he would do that. Uh-huh. Um, and so he does. Off he flies. Now, of course, a couple other things have happened in between this time. So at one point we do meet up with one of Penny's exes uh, by the name of Speck, mm-hmm. uh, who has who is the doomsday preppers. Yes. Um, and Penny is able to satellite phone call her parents and talk with them a little bit, which helps her yeah. kind of like encourages more to want to be with them. And, you know, when she, when he asked like, you know, what would you be doing if you could, she'd be like, oh, I'd be with my, you know, I'd be with my parents in the garden, like hanging out with my nieces and nephews. Like, you know, she goes to the whole list of things and they all revolve around her parents. Um, and then we also, uh, get a chance where, uh, Dodge gets to, uh, uh, his Olivia's, it was Olivia, right? Is her name? Yeah. Yeah, so he gets to Olivia's parents' house and then ends up finding her real address with another envelope in in the parents' house, goes to her real address, and he leaves her a note, and then they just leave, and he never talks to her or anything. And, and, you know, Penny is like, why why didn't you say anything? Like, I thought this is what you wanted. He was like, because I didn't want anything to change. He's like, I left her a note so she could have that sort of, like, yeah, I thought that too. But like, he's like, I just, I didn't want anything to change for us or her, for me or for her. Um, and I think that's another interesting, like self-reflection moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all of that has happened. Now we're at the end of the movie. So she's off flying to England. He goes back to home. And just as he's getting into home and getting ready and, you know, there's, uh, there's like a day left of the thing is like 16 hours left until the asteroid lands. You know, he falls a little, uh, falls asleep a little bit. He wakes up. And Penny is standing, uh, he's actually in Penny's apartment yeah. and uh, listening to her records. That was a pride of uh, point of pride for her was this record collection she had. Mm-hmm. And so he's in her apartment and he's listening to her records. The dog is there. Penny is standing there and she's like, you left me. And he was like, I, I, I wanted you to be with your parents. And she's like, yeah, but you left me. Like mm-hmm. you left me alone. You took that choice away from me. And she's like, I want to be with you. She's like, as Aww. soon as I woke up, I made him turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, like it was such a big, which first off, also a really big hassle for Martin Sheen <laughs> to be like drive halfway and then be like, what, are you kidding me? And have to fly all the way back and be like, I just wasted this time, you know? Well, I mean, it depends on how far they got. Like if she wakes up and they're like, not even off the continent yet, then it's a you know easy turnaround. Maybe it's could have been an easy hour. Yeah. He's lost a, a couple hours at you know in the last day of his life doing something that he clearly liked enough. Uh, but you know, yeah, you, you don't you don't have your own plane because you hate flying. So right, and you know, uh, as we get through that whole scene, we learn that he sort of has this. 
he needs to kind of make up for everything uh, with his son. So this is kind of like a gesture he can do mm-hmm. for his son to kind of make up for being absent for most of his life. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, off they go, they go and they lay on the bed and she of course is like, don't let me fall asleep. Like, don't let me fall asleep and make sure I stay awake to which She does stay awake for the rest of the, uh, the rest of the film, which is only a few minutes. Uh, and you know, they're talking about like, you know, what, what would you love to do? Like where, you know, what do you want? Like, tell me about yourself. She's telling about, you know, where she grew up and stuff like that. And we start hearing the booms of the asteroid and then, you know, the screen gets really white and the movie ends. And I kind of like how they did that because there was like a, a very obvious setup when she said I could sleep through the apocalypse that they were going to have her just do that. Like have her, you know, either like she was going to sleep the whole plane ride and like end up in you know her bed in Surrey and miss it. Or, you know, when she comes back with Dodge and they, they lay down in the bed together and she says, don't let me fall asleep. I was like, well, of course now she's going to like, they're going to talk for a little bit and she's just going to drift off. And he's going to have this sweet moment of looking in, you know, looking at her face and, you know, stroking her hair as the asteroid hits or something. But they actually did get to like spend the last few moments together. And that was very sweet. It was very sweet. That was another one that made me okay with the ending of them being romantically involved because I was like, this is very sweet, you know, Mm -hmm, and they, mm -hmm. they're awake, they're in the bed. They're just kind of letting it happen. Um, and I thought it was great. And thus ends our movie. Uh, so seeking a friend for the end of the world is currently available for video on demand. So this one, uh, as of recording this episode in America is not streaming on a, uh, streaming service that you can subscribe to, but it is available on things like, you know, uh, Apple movies, uh, Amazon and, and thus all the rentable places. Yeah. Google TV has it. Yep. So if you are the type of person that watches movies after we record them, that's where you can find it. So should you watch this movie? I I think so. I thought this Absolutely. was this was a, a very good, like very sweet romantic story, a very good apocalypse story, uh just like a really like tender human story. Um uh, and to Kara Knightley's character uh, Penny had the the makings of falling into a like manic pixie dream girl trap, but I think yeah the movie being written by a woman made her more of a person and less of like a thing for like you know for you know, to make Dodge's final days better. Uh, like they they seemed like the two of them had like real personality and real connection. Uh, so very well written story. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's definitely some really funny moments in this movie as well. Uh, so I, th- I think as like a total package, there's there's a lot to this. Yeah, uh, and I definitely think this is worth the watch, unless uh, apocalypse things uh, give you anxiety for any reason, especially after everything we just went through. Completely understandable. Yeah. And this month is not for you. Come no. back next month. No. <laughs> Yes, no existential crisis uh, on our part. So come back next month where we do not this. And, uh, you know, but otherwise, yeah, this is definitely a watch. I I don't think this is, if you haven't seen it already, this is definitely something you give a watch. Makes me think of how uh, the other day I was having a really great morning and then I decided to make myself sad by watching some Bo Burnham. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that'll do it. Like, yeah, you know, 
you know, don't do that. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't purposely give yourself the SADS if you can avoid it. Uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, thanks a lot for listening to this episode. Hey, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure to do so because if you haven't, what are you doing? You missed, you missed our bonus episode yeah. just a couple days ago where me and Juniper, my uh, 10-year-old daughter, talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Very exciting. Uh, so you, you missed that opportunity to do that. So you definitely want to uh, hit subscribe. So you get bonus new, uh, new episodes every Thursday and Sunday when we release those episodes. I bet you feel bad now for not being described, uh, subscribed now that you, now you know you missed that. I know, right? Like, you, I, you I'm embarrassed be, for you. You should be embarrassed, people. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. We got two more for this month. Uh, next month, next week, we're doing Melancholia. This is the Kirsten Dunst film and Alexander Skarsgård. That uh, so been, we're hitting it. That's, a, that's been on my to-watch list for a very long time, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, so this is going to be a really good one. So check us out next week for that one, and we will see you next time. Pew, pew, pew.